This is episode 13 of the TE5 podcast brought to you by myself, TE5 Pharaoh. And in this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with CJ Wilson, also known as Video Game Freak. He is the owner and founder of Point Gap Gaming, uh, which is an esports competitive team in the battlefield space. Uh, he brings a ton of value when it comes to starting your own competitive team and what it takes to get started as a streamer on the Facebook platform. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Joining <laughs> me today on the T5 podcast for episode 13, I got my man CJ Wilson, also known as Video Game Freak, or what does I call him, VGF, and he is the uh, owner and founder of Point Gap Gaming. I know uh, your your co-founder Lions as well. I don't want to discredit him, Lions. If you're listening, I know I know you founded uh, PG as well, and uh, he is a competitive player uh, and a streamer as well, uh, primarily streaming on Facebook. Is that correct? Uh, is face- Facebook streaming, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to have him on this episode. He's going to bring a lot of value when it comes to, uh, you know, starting and running your own competitive team, which point gap gaming is currently an active competitive team, uh, for battlefield. And, uh, we'll get to learn kind of what's going on there. And, you know, there's been a lot of news lately in the battlefield community. That's probably changed some stuff. So we'll let him kind of enlighten us on that. Uh, he was also just at PAX South as well. Uh, which is a pretty big gaming convention for those of you that don't know what that is. So we'll let him share a lot about that as well. So really excited to have you, man. Welcome to the cast, the TE5 podcast. Thank you. Uh, go ahead and introduce us or, you know, just let us know a little bit about who you are and uh, we'll get started. Uh, so, yeah, uh, CJ, uh, a.k.a. VGF for Video Game Freak. Um, I've been, uh, you know, sort of into the competitive side of gaming for 14, 15 years, but uh, it, I sort of got uh, thrown into esports, so to speak. I've always sort of been more of like a pub stomper and, uh, you know, sort of a competitive player, but not into like the esports side of things uh, up until Lions and I made uh, Point Gap Gaming. Uh, and then we you know, jumped into the deep end of uh, the competitive battlefield scene on Xbox and have uh, been pretty successful with it. So all of a sudden it was like, okay, we went from having a clan to taking it a little more seriously. Awesome, man. Um, let's, let's start from the beginning, uh, VGF. Tell us about, you know, what got you into gaming. Just take us back to those early days, man. I, I just want to know how long you've been, uh, you've been at this. Uh, so uh, even though a lot of my uh, friends and, you know, uh, teammates make fun of me for it because I have a pretty serious baby face, uh, I'm 28 years old. I've been uh, on Xbox Live, you know, that – the jump into more of the competitive gaming was really when I got onto Xbox. Um, prior to that, I was a Nintendo guy, N64, and like, you know, Super Nintendo speedruns and stuff were my jam. Uh, but once I got an Xbox, that was really when I started to, to jump into online gaming, uh, particularly first person shooters, Halo. Uh, Halo CE and Halo 2 
were still the like the peak uh, of my online gaming experience, I think. Even though there were so many things looking back at that game that were inconvenient or, or broken, it was still some of the most fun I've ever had playing video games. So, like, I think that uh, somewhere around middle school, high school, uh, I had some health issues that had my doctor recommend that I stop playing baseball. Uh, and at that point, I really shifted a lot of uh, attention from sports to gaming. Um, and uh, at that point, I, I started playing a lot of online games, uh, you know, first-person shooters, MMORPGs, and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so like, I feel like being a competitive person and uh, finding an inclination that I was, you know, pretty good at games and uh, understood better than most, you know, sort of the the game IQ or um, the metas of, of the games. Uh, yeah. I. I found myself being more inclined to the, the competitive side of things and, you know, playing with better players and that sort of stuff. Uh, but I was always sort of casual with it. I was always just sort of a, a good player. But, it, you know, I, other than a few, you know, game battles games and stuff like that, um, it wasn't really until Battlefield that I really got, uh, you know, or found some success with competitive, the competitive side of gaming. So um, let's let's get right into the competitive side. Um, when did you start playing competitively? Uh, what did that look like? Uh, were you, you know, I mean, I don't know how many other teams you may have played on or if you had another team before PG, but just, you know, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, my my first sort of delve into, like, hardcore gaming was Halo 2. Uh, I was a, a really you know, big sniper and, uh, you know, big team battles, 66, uh, team snipers, that all that sort of stuff. Um, I was the sixth legit symbol in big team battle way back in the day. And that was like the, that, the peak of my halo two career, but that kind of, that kind of got me the taste for what, like the, the sort of rush and the, you know, that sort of top 1%, uh, of, of what gaming, like competitive gaming could be. It gave me that insight into like, uh, where it could go. Um, and, uh, so once, uh, once I got into that, uh, Halo got into Call of Duty, uh, played a lot of called COD 4 through like Modern Warfare 2, sort of fell off with Black Ops 3 and switched over to, to Battlefield. Um, which is where I imagine a lot of the people listening to this would know me from. But uh, yeah, Battlefield, it was sort of just one of those I was, I was pub stomping and uh, running with a few friends and ran into a bunch of guys that had uh, the, the platoon named PG. Uh, and so funny enough, I'm not actually the founder of Point Gap, uh, credit goes to, you know, Boomy Tundra on that one. Oh, uh, Point Gap Gaming and Point Gap Esports, uh, that was, uh, between Lions and I, um, but basically it just evolved out of, uh, a bunch of us were, uh, an operations platoon. 
we had really enjoyed operations and we were, you know, just a bunch of guys that were pretty darn good at the game. And uh, when I started looking at getting into the competitive side of it, we really didn't have the commitment or interest level to start a new team fresh ourselves, uh, which is when we sort of teamed up with Ono at the time. Uh, and they were doing, you know, pretty well. So along with our help, they, they had some pretty good success. Uh, but in my opinion, uh, the team was being misled and mismanaged. And at that point, Lions and I decided to take our like-minded uh, teammates and start Point Gap. Um, from there, we, you know, pretty much uh, went on to win the next three domination front lines and conquest championships uh, with a couple, you know, top placements and a couple other tournaments, but uh, it's been a little bit of a ride. So we went from, you know, sort of just being, you know, competitive players to being, you know, uh, putting a target on our backs, uh, you know, pretty quickly. So let me get this straight. You, you uh, first joined a team that was already PG, but then you guys ended up teaming up with some other, this the Oh No team, and then basically you and Lions, which I know y'all are the leaders of today's Point Gap Gaming, um, basically split off from that and then restarted a PG. Is that, is that, am I getting that right or is that wrong? Uh, so, uh, Point Gap was always uh, sort of casual up until the point that Lions and I started Point Gap Esports. Um, it was always just sort of a... a so a, it was a community. It was just a bunch of uh, guys that like playing operations together. And, you know, we were some of the top guys uh, in operations specifically. But uh, the the interest in trying to play competitive is what led us to having some of the operations guys uh, team up with me and join Ono at the time. Um, But from there, you know, we sort of uh, had a falling out and Lions and I decided to take, uh, you know, our handful of operations guys that we had. Uh, his side, you know, some of the, some of the friends that he had made with Ono, um, and, you know, a handful of our other players that we we would be, uh, good fits. And that's what became Point Gap. uh, I got you. As you would know. Well, look, even though you may not be the original founder of the name PG, I guess, I mean, Point Gap, I mean, technically still are the founder of what is today's Point Gap Gaming. So, And Boomy, like all credit to Boomy, uh, I didn't want to do him the disservice of not giving him the shout out. Uh, He and I still talk on occasion and uh, he's in school at the moment, so he's. Uh, he's still in the loop and, uh, you know, a, a part of the community. Uh, is he involved today with the team or no? Uh, not so much in the, you know, the operations side, but he's definitely uh, OGPG. Okay, awesome, man. Awesome. Well, you know, I've, I've had a couple competitive players so far, and I think one of the big um, – you know, the big relations is, you know, a lot of a lot of guys that are heavy in, in the competitive esports, you know, ha- in, in most cases, from my experience, have came from a sports like background. 
Um, you know, where obviously you, you played so much competitively in, in traditional sports, but then it's like that kind of went away and, and now you've still got all that juice and hunger you still had when you were playing. Right. So, you, you know, you correlated that and that's really driven your love for the gaming, uh, well, which is awesome, dude. Absolutely. I, I think there are a lot of parallels there. Like, uh, I, I, I think that the mainstream media is just now starting to, to make that to reach that tipping point where esports are almost considered to be on the same playing field as traditional sports, uh, at least in in terms of viewership and uh, you know like dollars. Uh, this last year, esports was uh, by far the largest growing uh, segment of you know overall sports, uh, and so I think that seeing you know having those people that are more competitive in nature or, you know, have better hand-eye coordination, whatever it may be, uh, find themselves to be more inclined to pursue those competitive sides of the game. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, if, if people that still don't recognize esports as a real thing where you guys, you know, have a rude awakening for listening to this. So just be prepared that, you know, we told you this thing is going to be massive. So, um, but yeah, man, so let's talk about, you know, we, I also know you're a big streamer as well. Um, you know, a lot of, obviously your audience, your followers, they know that as well. Um, but talk to us about, you know, what were the motives behind getting started streaming, uh, kind of what was the, the vision you had and, uh, you know, where is that kind of leading you to, uh, today? Um, so uh, for me personally, like I said, I'd, I'd been on more so on the casual side of things up until about the last year or so. Uh, I've been on Xbox Live for 15 years and uh, up until the last year really didn't have much of an interest in streaming. Um, but with the sort of explosion in, uh, you know, streaming content creation and, you know, a lot of people being able to make a real living on this. Uh, it's become more of a possibility for me. Um, you know, I, I've worked at, you know, Fortune 100 companies, tech startups. Uh, I've always had, you know, sort of a hustle going in a different respect. Uh, and so this last year is really when I made that pivot and that turn of focus from uh, from my other, you know, professional pursuits to gaming particularly. Yeah, so you really started getting serious about it, obviously, a year ago. What um, You founded Point Gap, actually. So <clears throat> what, have, what have been some of your struggles, man? I guess share, share with us some of the stuff you've been uh, – it's, you know, it's kind of been hard to, to deal with or overcome as you really try to start pursuing the streaming career. Um, my first recommendation for anyone getting started in streaming is start as a hobby <laughs> – uh, and then, you know, as you see your growth, you can scale from there, uh, unless you have considerable savings or are, you know, the exception to the rule, uh, you will not find immediate success and jumping in, you know, going quote unquote full, full-time streamer, uh, doesn't mean it has to be your primary source of income. Um, for me personally, I would not be able to stream or be as active as I, as I am in the community if it weren't for having 
other sources of income. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I would consider myself to be a very above average player. Uh, but in the stream game, I'm just, you know, a, a you know, fairly average streamer, in my opinion. My gameplay is really the highlight for me. And so that, that for me is uh, one of the sort of rude awakenings that I had was that I have to set aside time to edit and put into stream production and, uh, you know, put up, you know, actually publish content. Uh, and going from being a casual player where, you know, it's just turn on the Xbox whenever you, you know, have an opportunity, uh, budgeting my time and actually setting aside time to uh, post clips or, you know, engage on social media and plan my posts and stuff like that um, was definitely uh, time that, you know, took away from gaming, but I had to, to budget and allocate for that. And so the more that you take, you know, gaming as a, as a potential business, you really have to treat it like one. You have to, you know, put aside a certain amount of time and hours and effort into uh, putting out content or being, you know, of value. Uh, if you're going to have people that are, you know, paying you, or whether it be sponsorships, endorsements, or, you know, supporters and, uh, you know, your followers, um, you need to provide value, uh, whether it be through your posts and engagement or your live streams. Uh, and so I feel like there are a lot of people that dive into like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be a full-time streamer, full-time content creator. And then don't put out content. And, uh, so for me, that was, you know, a big shift in mentality, uh, was having to focus on, uh, not only what content am I putting out, but also, uh, you know, trying to manage a team in the process. Uh, the other side of it being hardware, uh, thankfully it's becoming easier and easier just to jump into streaming, whether it be just streaming from your Xbox or PlayStation to getting, you know, relatively cheap, uh, capture cards and PCs. But for me, I, you know, I was a sort of techie guy, but I'd never had delved into the computer side of things. And that's just in a whole nother rabbit hole, you know? the the whole hardware side of things of uh you know needing a capable pc with a capture card uh to being able to you know get all your settings right uh it, the, the learning curve is is pretty steep if you want to do it right um so you know even though i've you know we as point gap and i you know feel like that i've done uh seen a lot of growth over the last you know six to eight months um there's still a lot to work on and, and, you know, I'm, I'm still learning all the time. Um, one thing that kind of fascinates me having you on the cast as, you know, I, I mean, I've had multiple streamers already I've talked to and everybody's kind of brought a different perspective in some form or fashion, but you are the first actually just like Facebook streamer, you know, everybody else is doing your traditional Twitch or mixer um, can you talk to us about what it's like using Facebook's gaming stream platform uh, as opposed to the traditional Twitch um, or Mixer platforms? Yeah. And what are some of the pros and cons, if you have uh, any of those that Absolutely. You know, as compared, you could let us know. Um, so I had streamed to both Mixer and Twitch in the past. 
Um, and, I, you know, they each have their, their strengths. Like Mixer's uh, Hype Zone is really cool. They just came out with their Season 2 Sparks. Um, Twitch doing some really cool things with, uh, you know, supporting small creators and featuring, uh, you know, up-and-coming streamers. But for me, uh, you know, I mentioned I came from sort of a business uh, and startup background. Uh, I've always sort of been really interested in marketing and, you know, that side of uh, communication and, uh, you know, how people can advertise and market themselves. And so on the analytics side and the marketing, like the tools that Facebook's, uh, Facebook gives you to be able to network and market yourself as a streamer are ridiculous because, you know, with Mixer and Twitch, if you don't have them as a follower already, uh, unless you're trending or, you know, you're one of the top streamers of, you know, a particular category, there's limited options for you to try and network your stream otherwise. You know, you could post it on Reddit, Twitter, other social medias, that sort of thing. But there's only so much natural, uh, you know, engagement that you're going to get on that stream. With Facebook, you really have a lot of tools to not only engage with your own followers and, you know, other like-minded communities, whether it be groups or that sort of stuff. But the more engaged and interesting of a stream that you have, the more it's going to rank and be exposed to people that aren't followers of yours. So for me, the natural appeal uh, is that I'm able to engage with people and bring followers to my stream that I don't think would have otherwise seen my stream. Um, the other side of it being that, you know, the, the, one, of the, one of the cons I would say to, to joining Facebook Gaming was I, I did join when it was relatively new. Uh, the amount of changes that they've uh, and like updates that they've implemented even just, you know, in the last few months have been insane. Uh, the Streamlabs OBS uh, integrations have finally gotten it to where, uh, you know, all of the stream alerts and everything come through. Like they're really doing a lot to to catch up, so to speak, uh, to to Twitch and Mixer as far as their tools go. But then when you when you dive into the analytics side of things, it's it's just really cool how much you can see of how how your engagement is doing, what kind of, uh, you know, links or, you know, uh, tags are giving you the best, uh, you know, feedback. Uh, so for me to be able to sort of engage and network myself better than your average streamer, uh, I think that's a huge win for me. Uh, if you're not trying to put as much effort into your stream and you're trying to be a little more casual, uh, being able to push one button, uh, on, you know, Twitch or Mixer, uh, definitely has, you know, maybe a stronger appeal. Um, and I'd say that the, the last sort of part of it, uh, with Facebook, I, I think it's a, a much bigger platform in a way. Because you can post other forms of content other than just a live stream. Oh yeah, I mean it's Facebook, man. I mean, I, to me, it's like if I'm if I'm serious about streaming, 
Yeah, I mean, you also on Facebook, you got the easy integration of paid advertising, too. And you can seamlessly mm-hmm. flow in Facebook ads along with everything else. And well, yeah, I mean, I, I see like I, I am very interested in gaming and streaming and full time content creation. Uh, I don't necessarily see myself as a full time streamer uh, for the rest of my life. But I will definitely be producing content of some form or fashion uh, along this, you know, line of thought for, you know, the foreseeable future. So even if what I like about Facebook is even if I'm not live streaming every day, I can still publish content to the same followers that are following me on that platform. I can't say the same for Mixer and, and Twitch. Uh, you know, if I put up a montage or, you know, uh, highlight clips and stuff like that, uh, it's not going to do much for me on Mixer Twitch, you know, if, if I can do that at all, but on Facebook, I can live stream, I can post my montages, my clips, engage with my viewers, just make, you know, shit posts or whatever it may be, uh, all on, on the same platform and still engage with the same viewers. So, uh, that was a very, very strong appeal to me because no matter what content I am creating, it's all in one place. Awesome, man. Um, you know, you kind of lead, led into my next question. It's like, you know, obviously you have a lot of passion for being a competitive gamer, you know, and then streaming, obviously I'm starting to see that's now kind of the, the, the thing you're, you're doing, but, you know, where, you know, to talk to me about what, you know, with, with PG and, and kind of the future you and Lions have envisioned for that. I don't know what the ultimate vision is of that, mm-hmm. um, but how does all that correlate into like what what does VGF ultimately want, you know, to, to see happen at the end of this? Because like, you know, is, is it pursuing competition and 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 streaming, uh, you know, kind of both equally, or is it going to be one or the other more so? I, I just, I'm just curious to know, like, where does all this in the, in the master plan, you know, lay out for you? So uh, sort of multifaceted response on that for me individually and then for Point Gap. Yeah. Uh, my vision personally is that I would like to be able to be a full-time content creator or, uh, you know, team owner, team manager in some respect, uh, and be able to provide a full-time living for the, the creators and streamers that we do have, uh, part of that, you know, getting the business and social media side of things caught up to our reputation. Uh, you know, we've been, uh, a lot of us, uh, from point gap have been on the competitive side of gaming for, you know, many years, but have never necessarily saw it as a uh, viable source of income or a full-time, you know, professional pursuit uh, up until maybe recently. And so for me professionally, I I really want to try and put the, you know, professional partnerships, affiliate, you know, deals and stuff like that into place so that when some of these amazing players do start to see some of the traction that I think they deserve, uh, they can start to monetize it and really start to provide a source of income for themselves. Um, And so, you know, I I know that 
for me personally, I, I have, you know, other sources of income where I am able to put, you know, a quote unquote full time job of streaming or content creation uh, while still supporting myself. I don't have the funding to go and pay, you know, a full time living salary to a bunch of my players like I would like to right now. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to go to, you know, Sloth or Martizi or Lions and say, hey, you know, I am now paying you as a full time player to produce content. Uh, I would love to be able to do that to some of these guys that I know are that, you know, 0.001% of players. But, uh, you know, until then, uh, you know, I'm trying to really hustle the business side and the social media side of things so that I can get these deals in place so that when they do start to find some of this success, uh, they can really start to capitalize on it. Well, you're building the brand. And I mean, that's that's got to be your, your number one focus. And it takes time. It takes a lot of time to do that. But I definitely think you're on the right track with that, um, you know. But as far as like but these players, I mean, you know, you guys are known as a battlefield centric team. And, you know, obviously, you know, everybody in the battlefield community and even myself, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously branched out in a lot of other games now. But, you know, I, I think it's there's no uh, hiding it that battlefields, you know, pretty far behind the eight ball when it comes to any any uh, foreseeable uh, esports on a professional level opportunities. I guess unless you're in Europe, because you know Battlefield in Europe is pretty much the equivalent of Call of Duty here in North America. Um, but like, you know, does PG stay in Battlefield? Do you guys start to expand into Call of Duty into these other games that are a lot more prevalent? And you know, in my opinion, probably a lot. You know, there's a lot better content, a lot more people paying attention to some of these other games outside of Battlefield. I mean, what what is that going to look like for, for you that's guys? A question, because that's that's definitely uh, sort of a, a timely question. Um, so for those of you that have not heard, uh, Battlefield uh, did make an official statement on RSP that there was no current plans for a rental server program uh, for Battlefield 5. And so that was uh, pretty disappointing. Uh, short of RSP uh, or a ranked playlist, uh, you know, the future of competitive battlefield is sort of in here right now. And I think that as long as we have players that are interested in battlefield, we will be participating in battlefield you know, competitive opportunities. But... Uh, you know, it really was those third-party, you know, organizations like uh, TE5, uh, Hardcore League, uh, Battlefield Premier League, ESL, uh, depending on what platform you may, may be on, uh, that held competitive Battlefield together. And, you know, RSP facilitated that. And so without RSP, I foresee that a lot of Battlefield 5's quote-unquote competitive scene uh, will either transition to other, you know, more competitive games, or, uh, you know, there is a big opportunity with Firestorm to potentially be the most competitive form of Battlefield. Yeah, that's that's actually uh, <clears throat> uh, Deadeye and I, when I had him here, uh, you know, Deadeye, the uh, owner of Hardcore League, 
Uh, I had him on the cast and we started talking about Firestorm. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you listening, Firestorm is the up and coming battle royale for the Battlefield 5 game. And, you know, I kind of alluded to, you know, this recent Call of Duty game, you know, and granted by far, like COD Black Ops 4 is easily the best COD I've ever played, period. Um, but I felt like the addition of Blackout, which is Call of Duty's version of Battle Royale, um, elevated it to a whole nother level. And to me, Agreed. you know, Battlefield's version of that, that could be what finally puts Battlefield on the map. Because, I mean, you know, e- even with re- you mentioned rental server programs and stuff and third party organizations. Yeah. You know, T5 back in the BF4 era, I mean, we we had, a, I mean, we were holding up competitive ourselves. ESL came in for a little bit, you know, acted like they were interested, but they were just BS and um, didn't really last very long, you know. And then obviously throughout the BF1 era, you've, you know, you've had Hardcore League, you've had uh, BPL. Um, you know, holding everything in place, but like, we're not even close to being on the magnitude of, you know, of Call of Duty, for example, because they have dev support. Well, or something like that. It's, yeah. And and I feel like there are multiple factors there. Uh, It's not until the last few years that we've seen esports competitions on the scale of some of these battle royale titles, you know, having a hundred live competitors on a single stage. Um, but like even, even, uh, you know, Overwatch and, uh, games like that having six V sixes, um, I think there is a opportunity for Battlefield to have a large scale, a large format competitive scene, uh, you know, having online qualifiers that lead to, uh, large in-person live, uh, you know, theater events, uh, I think would be incredibly successful. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a matter of who's going to do it, you know what I'm saying? Well, and like, that's the thing is, uh, it's obviously not a large priority of DICE's uh, to provide or support esports at this time. Um, so for us as Point Gap, uh, I think that as long as our players have interest in the game, we will have someone there. Uh, but we have also expanded into other games as well. Uh, we do have an official uh, Point Gap uh, Black Ops 4 multiplayer team uh, that is is doing extremely well on uh, game battles right now. Uh, I think they're in second place uh, currently. Uh, and Jimbo, uh, shout out Jimbo Hotsticks. Uh, he's he's really stepped up his game and sort of taken the reins uh, on that side of the CODs, you know, COD side of things. Awesome. Um, and they've they've just been doing incredibly well. Uh, so for them, uh, on the call of duty side, you know, they see the aspirations of having an established esport like the CWL, uh, you know, sort of to aspire to, uh, you know, battlefield doesn't really have anything like that, uh, with, with them having, you know, a clear path of how you could go professional, uh, you know, even being second place in in GBs on Xbox right now, uh, they they're already you know in their minds thinking if they take number one GBs this season or next season, you know, could could they make the transition next year to PlayStation and do well there, and you know potentially make a run for the online qualifiers, 
And so having, you know, an established clear path to somewhat professional status, uh, I think is somewhat something that Battlefield really lacks right now. Um, but I agree, there are a lot of games. Because it doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, correct. And yeah. Uh, I think that there is... Except in Europe. In Europe, it does exist. That's what I said in the beginning. Like, Europe, Battlefield is, is, is like everything in Europe. Well, and they, they do, uh, like, ESL does host, uh, you know, some pretty you know, some pretty good scale, uh, you know, tournaments and stuff like that as well, you know, particularly on PC, PS4. Um, but particularly, you know, from our side on the Xbox, uh, it's, it's been, you know, underwhelming or disappointing to see the, the shift, uh, in focus away from esports or, you know, the support of the competitive scene, but, you know, we'll, we will go on, you know, we're going to, our, our original interest in starting competitive point gap, uh, was just almost out of necessity. You know, it was, we were on the upper echelon of the competitive scene already. And it sort of was just out of an interest in supporting the players. And so as we've had some of our, you know, original players branch out to Fortnite, you know, Black Ops 4, uh, you know, and other games, you know, we could see Point Gap, you know, branch out into, uh, you know, Halo Infinite, uh, even even the Anthem. I'm, I'm really excited to see. Yeah, I'm excited to see how that turns out. Uh, because if it if it's anything you know along the lines of uh halo destiny that that line of things it could have uh some strong support there too so there's there's other possibilities for us as as point gap uh but i think as long as our players have interest in battlefield we'll always have a presence there Absolutely. Um, have you guys noticed any play? Like, have you guys lost any players since, you know, all this has kind of been going down? Is everyone still pretty optimistic? Or what, what's the morale right now in PG? Um, I mean, I think that obviously, obviously a lot of us were pretty let down or felt, uh, you know, disappointed uh, in the lack of RSP. But at the same time, you know, there is some optimism there. Uh, you know, we're, we have really high hopes for Firestorm. Uh, I think that if, if that does play well, we'll, we'll definitely have a top team there. Um, but it, there has been a lot of uh, shift in focus to other games. Uh, our, like, obviously, our uh, Black Ops 4 team doing really well. Uh, we, do, we are in the works of forming a uh, Blackout team as well um you know for online uh wagers and tournaments stuff like that uh we'll also have uh you know upcoming announcements for a couple other teams so uh just because our our focus has maybe shifted a little bit um the core guys you know it's we'll support our players no matter what games they play uh and i think that our guys being inclined to the competitive side of things it'll It'll always have a place there. Awesome. Well, um, VGF, if you're you're talking to somebody and you know they want to start a competitive team, you know they've always they've loved gaming and they love the whole aspect of esports and just the idea of it, and they're like, "Hey, man, 
you know, what, what do I need to do to get started with my own, my own team? How, how would I go about doing that? Talk to us about what are uh, some of your recommended do's and don'ts. I know you've, you've highlighted a couple things already, but if you've got some stuff you haven't shared with us yet, uh, please do so. Um, number one thing, ask for help. Uh, I, I have had some extremely qualified, you know, or aspirational friends of mine try to start their own, you know, organizations or teams uh, and try to, you know, manage the whole thing themselves. Uh, and I think that that's one of the, the things that hangs up the most uh, organizations or, you know, clans, teams, whatever you want to refer to it as, uh, is just the, the need for control. Uh, and, you know, for us uh, with PG in particular, you know, Lions and I are co-leaders, but we have uh, what we call the round table um, where it's just sort of our leaders of uh, our individual teams, you know, some of our management and staff. Uh, but we never make, you know, a, a decision without, you know, consulting, you know, the leaders of the team. All right. Hold on. Hold on. I just I got to I got to put this in there as I'm thinking about it. So you guys and this is interesting topic and I have not had the chance to really get into this yet with even some of the other team uh, owners that I've, I've had on this podcast is, you know, the your your government style I, I call it the governmental style of, of leadership whatever that looks like you know you got your dictatorships you got your republics you got your democracies mm. so you know with pg itself obviously you have you guys have two heads it's you and lions mm. um i know i have philosophies that kind of contradict that style you know having two people in charge but i mean it doesn't say that it doesn't always work it does work for some people in some organizations um but when you work. guys are making an important decision for the entire team or the organization itself you know Granted, you and Lions both hold the, the top spots. I mean, is it a, is it like a vote process, or is it just like you have you guys have your roundtable as your advisors, quote unquote? But then you and Lions make the final decision. How how does that go down? So I, I would look at it as more of sort of like a democratic republic. Uh, I mean, if I if I am the president of PG, so to speak. Uh, I there are times where I make executive decisions, particularly on, you know, the business side of things. Uh, but there is hardly anything that we make as a decision that affects the the whole of Point Gap without consulting that team. Um, and so, you know, we really do think that we are better, you know, as a collective mind than just, you know, individuals. So there are a lot of things and different perspectives that a lot of those people bring to the table uh, that I may not have seen myself or may not have considered otherwise. So uh, having that at my disposal and having people whose opinions and insights that I value um, is really one of my greatest assets. Uh, so, so to those people, you know, you know who you are. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, because, you know, Point Gap wouldn't be what it is if it weren't for, you know, our players, our leaders, our, uh, you know, our staff that help me do what we do. Um, I think it's a little 
uh, arrogant or, you know, ignorant to think that somebody could do all of this themselves uh, and have some of the success that we've seen. Yeah. Um, so really, you know, as much as Lions and I sort of get the credit for being the face of, of PG um, or faces of PG, uh, a lot of credit goes to a lot of the guys that help us behind the scenes with organizing the scrims or, you know, making the strats, uh, organizing players or setting up the discord, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, a lot of support goes behind even the, you know, some of the simplest of things. Guys, um, when you're, you know, to, to really just hit home what we're talking about here, when you decide that, you know, starting your own uh, competitive team is something of interest to you, you know, and you're going to lead it, it's very important to be self-aware about how, you know, what you're kind of understanding your personality and how you work best, because that's going to dictate, and, and it should dictate a lot of how you decide to set up your, your infrastructure. And when I mean that is your leadership and, and how you want to run things. You know, if I was going to share a little glimpse of myself, you know, I personally, you know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't call it. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm not a Republic and I'm definitely not a democracy. Um, <laughs> But I'm not a dictatorship. A lot of people have called me a dictator. I'm really not because a dictator has to make every single decision, whereas I empower people to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. In, you know, I'm not somebody that wants to have 100% control when it comes to every single little thing. Mm-hmm. But Delegate when it comes – Go ahead. What delegation is key. Yeah. And that's what I do. I delegate a lot, but with me, I'm just a, I look at myself as a president in two ways. I'm a president without a Congress or a King, a monarchy, because like I have, I have people that I delegate a lot of stuff to, but you know, when it comes to decisions, when it comes to a vision, I'm all about speed and execution. And, you know, one thing I've learned from my business background is, you know, when you have multiple decision makers in any process, it slows you down. There's bottlenecks and it also conflicts of interest in, in a lot of in a lot of cases. But, you know, it's really a case by case thing, guys. It's not that one way is right or wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I have my preference and obviously uh, VGF here and Point Gap have what works for them. And it all depends as well as what type of people you have around you. So just keep all those factors in mind. And well, you got to navigate what works best in that scenario but go ahead Vijay. i'm sorry i think you uh sort of touched on something really interesting there because uh whether it be in content creation or live streaming or you know on the competitive side getting into esports if you're interested in starting your own team um i think self-awareness is probably one of the strongest attributes that you could you know have at your disposal uh i feel like a lot of people jump into uh i need to be the leader i need to be the you know guy running the show that sort of thing uh and i feel like a lot of people have that natural inclination to want to be that person but it's not all you know glory you know sometimes you got to deal with uh you know, some of the, the dirt and the grime of it too, you know, you gotta, oh, you always gotta deal with, you gotta dirt. deal with HR issues. The, yeah. you know, if you're trying to 
have an air of a professional organization. You have to deal with the rules and the repercussions and, uh, you know, the blowback if they're, you know, if you do get under fire on some stuff. But uh, handling the business side of things, you have to treat it like a business. Uh, If you're going to try to earn money from this sort of thing, you have to do stuff like, uh, okay, so how are we going to organize to put ourselves in a position to earn sponsors or, uh, you know, affiliate deals and stuff like that. Like you have to treat it like a business if you're going to look at it as such. One of the things that I think is interesting with like the competitive side of gaming and esports right now is that you can approach it as a hobby uh, and still, you know, get a feel for it. So even if you're taking it as, you know, I, I want to have or get into competitive gaming, uh, you can very much do it from a casual, you know, or uh, hobbyist, you know, perspective uh, and still get a feel for it without, you know, jumping into the deep end, so to speak. Um, but learn from other teams. You know, if you've not been a part of other organizations, uh, I'd highly recommend joining some. Uh, just even seeing what works, what doesn't work, what, uh, you know, styles fit you. Uh, or what organizational styles, you know, work best for you. Uh, Because uh, even if it's not, you know, jumping onto the top team, you know, uh, of, of, you know, whatever game it may be, uh, getting a feel for how an organization can be run or uh, what does and doesn't work and stuff like that is going to treat you or teach you more lessons in the long run than, uh, you know, just starting from scratch. Uh, and I mean, granted, you might hit a lot of trees on the way down and learn enough <laughs> that way too. But uh, I'm, I'm a huge uh, proponent for uh, mentorship and learning from other people. And so the more that you could take in or absorb or, uh, you know, pick and choose from what works and doesn't work for other people or other organizations is just going to help you, you know, in the long run. Awesome stuff, man. Thank you so much, uh, VG, for uh, sharing all that with us, man. That that was that was a great discussion topic, and I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, everybody listening uh, that is uh, aspiring to start your own competitive team, you guys already got a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge there to you know uh, take at your disposal. Uh, shifting topics here. Let's kind of let's talk about Pack South a little bit. I mean, you were just there. Uh, you know, what, what what were the highlights of that event, man? What'd you take away from it? Uh, so, a lot of interesting takeaways. Uh, some of which came from Pax itself, and some just from the experience of getting to and from Pax. Um, but the event itself was phenomenal. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Pax the Penny uh, Penny Arcade. Uh, expo, uh, one of the larger gaming expos uh, in the United States, uh, and just a phenomenal experience. Like getting to go out there, get your hands on like new games, VR, uh, meeting so many awesome people. Um, like it was just a, a, a really great experience. I got to hang out with uh, Sloth, Slothity, uh, one of our teammates in point gap he uh goes to school down there in texas so uh getting to have a little point gap meetup was was that the first time you met him 
that was the first time I'd met Sloth in person. Yeah, isn't that the best feeling, dude? When like you've been gaming with somebody for like years, and then it's like you finally see them in person. That first, that, that's that's like a feeling you just can't. It's can't hard replicate. to describe. Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of funny because you you know these people so so well through a microphone and a headset. Uh, but to, to meet in person and get to like genuinely hang out with somebody, it's, it's different and it's fun. So, uh, yeah, that, that whole experience was, was great. One of my biggest takeaways from PAX, it was my first out of state, uh, expo that I'd gone to, uh, I'd never been to TwitchCon or anything like that. So, uh, winning my pass, uh, to Texas really was the motivator to, to like, I really need to go to this is going to be serious about uh, these are the events that I need to be, you know, participating in. And yep. so for, for me, if, if you've ever considered, or even if you haven't, uh, and you're just curious, uh, go to PAX, go to TwitchCon, go to C, uh, CES, uh, any of these big expos, it, like it's just it, sort of mind blowing or eye opening uh all of the stuff that happens at these conventions and expos uh whether it's just meeting and hanging out with really awesome people going to you know cool talks getting to try the newest coolest games uh it's it's just it's really cool <clears throat> yeah i'm i'm hoping um at some point i'll get to i actually was looking at pack south trying to see if i couldn't go to it but i've just got a lot on my plate but um, I don't know. Eventually, I got to get to get to a, a big convention like that because I have yet to been. You know, I've, the only gaming event I've been to is COD Champs, which was last year in got Columbus. It. But um, which that was a phenomenal experience, man. I could preach about that. Oh yeah, uh, Just the stage but, presence there was was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But um, one of the one of the things I'd I'd sort of touch on there. Uh, yeah. One thing that I didn't really get to experience simply out of uh sort of timing uh, i had won my pass to to pack south which was really my motivator to to get there um but in in only having less than a week's notice to plan and go to the event uh one of the things that i would go back and you know change or do better if i could uh for networking's sake is planning you know where what events you're going to go to uh who you're going to meet there or hang out with um simply because you know with only a week's notice a lot of the people that i wanted to you know either meet up with or meet uh were either booked or busy or had other obligations so if there were another event that i were to go to in the future uh one of the things that i would definitely go out of my way to put a, an extraordinary amount of effort into is planning who I'm going to, you know, be hanging out with, meeting up with, uh, what events I'm going to go to, uh, because half of the experience of going to events like that is what happens after, you know, between the hours of when the expo is over, you know, uh, who you're going to go to dinner with and or go grab a drink with, whatever it may be. Uh, that's, you know, half of the, half of the equation too. Yeah. I love that, man. That's, that's super, super important. Uh, guys, you know, you, you go to these events and it's great to experience the gaming, but if you're serious about this as a business, 
you know, you're you're there the network. I mean, to be quite frank and straight, you, I mean, you want to meet people, and that's yeah. that's ultimately the the goal. So you want to have a plan, and you know, it was it's kind of funny because uh, the last episode I just did with uh, Tanner Larson or, or Tack, um, you know, because he's been to so many stuff. Um, we were talking about networking and. Uh, basically, you know, the, our, our philosophies around networking, mm-hmm. you know, and when you go to these events, guys, it's, it's really hard to, I mean, you, you can plan it out as well in your head, but you know, a lot of the bigger influencers, the guys that are more well-known, I mean, they're, they're just swamped with people. And I mean, oh. it's so hard to grab their attention and, you know, you might get 30 seconds to just say something and that's about all you're going to get. So, you know, another nugget to just add to that that I'll I'll put my input in is when you're you know walking at these events and you're you know talking to people and different stuff and even it might just be people that are just like you kind of walking around spectating just filling it out mm-hmm. you know I think it's it, it should be imperative to get to know some of those people Say hi. You know? yeah like, huh? yeah for me like I, I I wouldn't uh, – so at PAX South, I met Thumbless Gaga. Shout out Team Thumbless. Um, I, I wouldn't have, uh, you know, had an opportunity to catch him or meet with him had I not just literally, like, ran into him in the hallway across from the Elgato booth. Like, I was uh, – I was just happened to be, like, walking by. He was somebody that I was, like, hoping I would see all weekend. And, uh, you know, even just having that out of the corner of my eye, like, catching that it was him and, like, saying hi – um did y'all go hang out afterwards or have a more in-depth talk after you met him uh i got to chat with him for a few but he was uh you know on his way to go try and do some uh you know meetups with some potential sponsors but uh like you know again perfect example Uh, catching somebody you want to meet and you got you know 30 seconds or a couple minutes with them um taking take capitalizing on that opportunity you know like whether it's just saying hi or like for me, even just joking around with people in line, you know, like while you're standing there waiting in line to get into the expo, uh, saying hi to the people in front of and behind you. Uh, I met some awesome, you know, Twitch and mixer streamers over the weekend, just from, you know, talking to people in line and uh, getting to know them a little bit and saying hi. Uh, And, you know, you wouldn't have that opportunity anywhere else other than some of these expos. You're not just going to, you know, run into your favorite. Well, I mean, you, I guess you could run into your favorite Twitch streamer just on the street. But, uh, you know, there's no higher concentration of people that are like minded and have similar interests to you uh, than a lot of these conventions. So even if it's just, you know, while you're grabbing a, a soft drink or, you know, grabbing lunch or you know, just saying hi to somebody in line. Uh, you never know who you can meet at some of these, uh, you know, conventions. Yeah, one person that, even if they seem remotely intriguing, you know, you talk to them for a couple minutes, and, you know, you guys are at the convention, you're walking around, you're looking at everything, you know, oh, yeah. You know, I'd be like, hey, you know, can you know, can we go get a beer later afterwards or, you know, take you to lunch tomorrow or something, and then really get to know that person. And then now you just forged a you know, a brand new relationship that like could lead to some, some other, some other relationships, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, th- like I said, there's different philosophies you can take to it. I, like, I know myself, I don't know how you are VG. I'm, I'm 
and a lot of people are pretty shocked to hear this and they don't think it's true, but I'm, I'm a very introverted person. I'm not very extroverted, meaning like I don't like, you know, putting me in big crowd social settings. Like I don't do well. Um, I'm a very one-on-one type of, of guy when I come to like start talking to somebody and get mm-hmm. to know them. Uh, and that kind of affects me. Like, so if I would go to an event like that, my strategy, because I'm introverted pretty much, which it's not that I'm not like, it's not that I'm so shy. I won't talk. I mean, obviously I'll, I'll talk and, and interact, but you know, I'll try to really hand pick out and like keep my eyes open and just really see who, who to me, you know, is intriguing and like to somebody that might be able to lead me to some other connections. You know, I'm, I'm a very instinctual gut person. I mm-hmm. go with my gut on a lot of decisions and, uh, you know, then I'll try to invite them to, like I said, get a, get a beer, you know, get some lunch or something mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, really get to know that person and then really forge a relationship. Cause that's how I found that I'm most effective, uh, doing that is in a more of a, a one-on-one setting versus, mm. you know, trying to talk amongst hundreds and thousands of people and, you know, everybody's vying for attention and, you know, it's, it, you know, I don't know, that's just me, but you know, then there's people that flourish in that stuff. So. Well, and I, I think it just touches back on the self-awareness, uh, knowing what kind of person you are, what kind of people you gravitate towards uh, and, and finding, you know, some of those people out there. Um, you know, particularly when it comes to streaming, uh, you know, there aren't many opportunities for networking in the real world. Uh, you know, you interact with these people on a day-to-day regular basis. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, networking and making real connections with people, uh, sometimes, you know, that, that 30 seconds is all it takes. Sometimes, you know, grabbing lunch with somebody could, you know, meet, uh, meet your new best friend, but you never know who that one person could be that introduces you to the next person or, uh, you know, goes on to be the next big best thing. Uh, I, I've never found, you know, that a, a hello or hey, hi, how you doing is uh, done anybody, you know, more harm than good, um, at least in, in terms of networking and that sort of stuff. So uh, for me, it's more just reaching out you know seeing seeing who you can say hi to and uh capitalizing on those opportunities when you do when you do have the chance awesome guys make sure like i said take advantage of every opportunity you got like there's you know one thing to take away from all this i mean you know at least from from a networking perspective that's that um, I mean, we, we've just got done dropping a ton of knowledge, uh, you know, when it comes to starting a competitive team to talking about, you know, streaming and the difference between Facebook's uh, gaming uh, stream platform versus Twitch and Mixer. I mean, obviously you can use any of them, but, you know, if you need to learn more about the Facebook side of things, hit up my man VGF here. He'll, he'll uh, tell you all about it and uh, help you out. So we are going to transition to our fire round, guys. It's becoming more of the, the little popular segment here, the final five minutes here of the cast. I'm going to ask my man CJ here a couple questions, and uh, we'll see if he answers them. So uh, first one, first one, CJ. Now, where I'm using your real name right now because it's this is personal, okay? <laughs> I'm going to use your real name. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve? 
Ooh, biggest pet peeve. Um, it, tr- talking like down or treating like people poorly, like the holier than thou, uh, or like treating animals poorly. Uh, because if someone doesn't have respect for like an animal or something like that, it's probably a pretty big indicator that I am just not going to like them as a person. Okay, so my man's an animal lover. You got that one. Check. Next question. What song are you currently – now, it can be a song or an artist, but what are you listening to currently that you would be embarrassed for anybody else to know about? Ooh, embarrassed? Yep. Uh, ooh. Okay, so on my, ro- on my road trip to PAX South, a uh, really good friend of mine, Jenna, made a playlist for me uh, or allowed me to listen to a playlist she had made. And uh, one of the songs that really threw me back, Alanis Morissette, there was a couple songs on that playlist that took me like right back to the like grunge rock 90s, like... There was this radio station when I grew up that played like all of the alt rock, you know, tunes, and that one, Alanis Morissette, took me took me back. So, so I'm I'm confused. Is this was this embarrassing or is this a good thing? Is this something you were just like falling over for? Of all of all things, I was just like Alanis Morissette is the one that hits me in the feels right now. Okay, I swear. I mean, I asked this question to so many people. And, like, everyone gives me, like, I've never heard of any of this stuff. I'm like, I'm waiting for, like, the Britney Spears, you know, song or Justin Bieber. Like, just something like that. Oh, my, my first concert ever was in sync. So, like, I definitely feel that. But at the same time, like, I feel like I have pretty good, at, like, taste in music. So, uh, I, that was, that's the closest tangent. Hey, I, well, I was a Backstreet Boys uh, fan, so we were, we were rivals back then. <laughs> okay. And Stink. That was it. And Stink. Okay. Um, all right. What is the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? Dumbest thing I've ever spent money on? Um, I mean, there, there's been a couple times that I've just like probably absolutely thrown my money away. But uh, nothing comes to mind that I'd like say that was. I mean, I. What's what's the one thing that just pops in your head when I said that question? I know there was something that just the first thing, first thing that came to mind. What was it? Wasting money. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I've probably had some audio stuff that was completely <laughs> unnecessary and excessive. I'm like a huge audiophile, so like there have definitely been some impulse buys that was just like in retrospect, absolutely. What what, what do you mean the audio like like speakers and stereos and stuff? Oh yeah, like I'm, I'm like call, like 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 them sub all that shit the subwoofer. Oh, I've got like a home theater at home that I've put together with like a 120 inch projector screen and like all this. Uh, yeah, that's I've, completely unnecessary. There was there was a time when I went off the deep end a little bit on just buying more stuff than I had room for, and uh, so like I I I. I I'm a big like treat yourself person when there are things that like when you when you earn things or when you want to you know go out of your way to treat yourself and then there's times where like you just don't need it 
Like, I, there are a lot of things where people are like, I need it. It's like, no, you don't really need that. And I definitely didn't need those speeds. Man, I'm I'm still waiting for somebody to answer that question and bring up an ex ex uh, girlfriend or boyfriend. I've yet to hear that yet. I'm just waiting. I'm just because to me that's the most interesting. I'm just like, okay. Oh, okay. I bought my, I bought this girl. You know, I bought uh, I bought a purse for an ex for a girlfriend at the time who like she and I. It was a very very expensive purse, and uh, some of that Michael Kors shit. Uh, Louis shit along those lines and uh we broke up like a week later and so like yeah that one that one stung but at the same time i was it was in a good place when i gave it to her so like i don't necessarily regret that decision well would have been funny if it would have been a knockoff but But anyways, um, next question. What is the craziest thing you've ever done for love? Uh, flown across the country on less than 24 hours notice just to make someone's day. Wow. All right. So what I mean, I mean, was this was this like your current? Do you got a girlfriend right now? I do not have a girlfriend right now. Okay, so how many I, girlfriends ago was this? It was not even a girlfriend. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> mm. uh, it was so it, like uh, yeah. I'll I'll leave that one as it as it is. Dang, honey. All right, what is your worst habit? Don't face uh, spending, spur- splurging, whatever, because that don't count. You already said that. What's your you know, a bad habit, probably vaping. Uh, yeah, because, you vape a lot, dog. You do. Uh, just because it's something that I, I do feel sort of habitually reliant on. You do that uh, gangster stuff. You just kind of point it at the camera when you're streaming sometimes. <laughs> like you're in a rap video or something, man. Just you know. I, I, don't, I don't try and hide it. Like it's <laughs> some part of, you know, what I do. But yeah. uh, I don't want it to necessarily be a part of my brand or who I am. Um, it's just something that, you know, I, I stopped smoking and my brother got me a vape as a guilt gift uh, and it worked. So, uh, you know, I haven't touched a cigarette in multiple years and, uh, you know, no cigars or anything like that. So, Well, that leads me into my next question. You better not answer it the way I think you you liked what you just said. But uh, the last question is, what is the best gift you ever received? Don't say it's a gift I ever received. Yeah. Best gift. Uh, That one is pretty tough. I've received some good stuff. Um. I'd say that uh, so like this is sort of loose because it wasn't exactly like uh, like a Christmas gift or something like that. But um, my parents uh, had really taken us traveling a lot, uh, sort of like middle school, high school, um, and that solely I think has formed my worldview or me as a person more than just about any other, like any other single thing. Um, my parents giving me the travel bug, uh, probably best gift that I could 
ever have gotten. Awesome, man. I've had, I've, I don't, honestly, I've had nothing but sentimental answers to that question from everybody. Everyone's, it's either something that it's, it's always had something to do with family, man. So that just speaks volume, the type of people uh, I've brought onto this podcast, you know, good, good <laughs> dudes uh, and, and gals. So, um, awesome stuff, uh, VG. That's going to do it for us guys here on this episode. Uh, make sure you go on Twitter, follow at uh, the, is it, was it VG Freak XBL? Is, isn't that your Twitter? Yes, sir. Uh, Twitter, Insta are both VG, F-R-E-A-K, XBL. Uh, Facebook.com slash Video Game Freak XBL. Yeah, make sure you guys follow all those accounts, okay? Uh, give my man some love on Facebook. If you're ever on Facebook and you can check out one of his streams, uh, be sure to do so. And then, you know, go follow Point Gap Gaming as well if you want to see what they're going to be up to. They're a top-tier team in the Battlefield community. Uh, they're going to be doing a lot of big stuff with us. And uh, uh, last thing, actually, before we end this, last thing, we have a tournament in Battlefield 5 coming up that Point Gap's going to be, uh, you know, they're affiliating with T5 on, helping us kind of push it out there. It's a 2v2 domination tournament that oh, yeah. um, a lot of uh, people, at least the people I've talked to, are kind of stoked about. And it might just be because there's nothing else to do. Uh, but uh, it's it should be pretty interesting. It's a it's a BR style event, a battle royale style event for for this tournament. Basically, uh, two teams of two are going to go in together as one squad into a public lobby in Battlefield, and they're going to duke it out to see who can get the most kills. And we're going to find out who the best Slayer duo is in Battlefield on February sixteenth. So if you're interested in that. Uh, you can check out uh, Point Gap yeah. socials or even VG. I'm sure he'll be pushing it and promoting it. You can also go to the TE5 socials as well. Uh, we'll be promoting it uh, for Battlefield specifically. And we have and TE5 has a lot of tournaments, guys. So you can always check out what we're doing. We're, we're hosting in, in many, many different games. But uh, nonetheless, uh, CJ, thank you so much for being on this episode, man. And I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point in the future. And Thanks, uh, any any last uh, words you want to give? Any shout outs? Uh, shout out Point Gap Gaming. I appreciate y'all. Love y'all. TE5, you guys are awesome. Thank you, Farrell. Uh, and I appreciate y'all having me. Thank you. Awesome. All right, guys. Until next time, take care. Adios. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to share this with a friend. Uh, this is the T5 Podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. And we appreciate all of our listeners. Thank you guys so much for your support. And until next time, take care.